0: Welcome, good chop shop listeners, as we appreciate and celebrate the return. Of real, old-time American values. For you see, for the first time since easily the late 1700s, the Third Amendment has become relevant again. (laughs) If you're making some kind of, like, face and are going, what the fuck are you talking about? That's the one that says that, Troops cannot be quartered in your house without your consent.
1: Here at Chop Shop, we we support good old American
2: values. Such as the Third Amendment.
0: And not having soldiers stationed in my house without asking me.
2: Yep. So... Is... <laughs>
0: As the mayor of D.C. did with federalized National Guard troops, who were deployed to uh, at uh, the fucking orange morons' orders, Honestly, to shoot though, people and brutalize protesters.
1: That's such a power move. That is <laughs> such a power move. Just to be like, "Hey, here's a Third Amendment. You, you, do you think that this would be useful? Yes, this is fucking useful for, ki- for kicking out your fucking troops."
0: but now it's back with the tricorn hats nice like Minuteman cosplay will be all the rage at every convention
1: isn't that just Fallout 4
2: wait no that's just making fun of Preston
0: or both look
2: a settlement really needs your help right now we shouldn't dismiss them just because the quest keeps firing over over and over and goddamn over again um, that does not mean
0: we should ignore their call for aid <laughs>
2: and, and this is
1: how the minute men fell
0: i think someone actually like built a pillory and put preston in it and he was still handing out quests oh God. <laughs> but yeah <laughs> so yeah going backwards forwards who the fuck knows it's 2020 <laughs>
1: 2020, bitches.
2: (laughs) Welcome to the cool zone. Mm. Welcome to Chop Shop Economics.
0: Where we're going, we won't have roads.
2: Is this the Libertarian Party convention? No, we had that
0: already. Yeah, we, we already had the, like, male stripper candidate and all that other, like, assorted, you know, what's-his-nuts. Um,
2: Vermin Supreme?
0: Yeah, Vermin Supreme.
2: Who, unfortunately, lost. Boo. So,
1: should we do the introductions and get on to the horsemen?
0: Yeah. As always, I'm Dr. Spider. I'm Ms. Silver.
1: And I'm Death that creeping feeling up on your neck hairs
2: as all the world falls apart. See Helen I couldn't be with us today. Somebody need the power strip, so they pulled the such plug. Um, now she's uh out fighting for all of us in an undisclosed location <laughs> so. <laughs> Where should we start?
0: (laughs) Well, I hear the gallop of the white horse and the COVID conqueror on its back in the latest GDP numbers from the St. Louis Federal Reserve Branch. Oh, dear.
2: (laughs) Oh,
1: dear Lord.
0: And you really need to, like, we're going to include the link in this so that you know that this is real um and you really should click on the link because the chart looks like somebody falling down a flight of stairs face first um
1: i told you about the stairs bro i told you
2: why does this keep happening
0: and this time they're predicting 53 percent gdp loss like half of the economy
1: oh dear lord this is, is just gonna make our entire economy financial bullshit of the fed
0: well, it's funny you mentioned that because the current estimates for the percentage of GDP spending that is made up of the U.S. government farting money at Wall Street is now up to like 36%. So, you know, a third of the economy is taken up by the government spending money that it's like pulling out of its ass and uh, we're about to lose half of the economy while a third of the economy already is basically like a fucking money printer uh, a bunch of pigs with guns and a trench coat
2: yep <sighs>
1: is this the famed minarchy government that i've uh, so often heard about from libertarians
0: <laughs> the one that's everything, somehow.
1: Oh, dear fucking lord, sweet and Hashem, Alkins- sweet dear <laughs> fucking Hashem.
2: <laughs> uh, though, um, for the rest of us, um, you probably heard that like the job numbers are doing really well. Uh, Trump claims that we added 2.5 million new jobs. And, of course, many of you are wondering, okay, how the fuck is that possible? Doc, would you mind explaining?
0: Well, I mean, leaving aside, as we've already discussed before, that the unemployment numbers are some really amazingly laundered bullshit um, that have a lot of caveats and shit, and the only way you can really compare like meaningfully what's happening in the economy to what is actually impacting people's lives is you got to really dig deep below the official number whatever it is um but in this case what's especially fun is that they basically just straight up fudged four million survey responses
1: so we're dealing with accounting sorcery
0: yeah by treating furloughed because like something like an estimate like 4 million furloughed workers indicated that they were not unemployed because they were temporarily being laid off so the u.s government went well we're just gonna sort of roll with that because doing anything to those numbers will look like we're manipulating things to make things look good for us even though this is like throwing this back in means the unemployment numbers look like absolute shit and the only actual bounce that's happened in unemployment because people is because some people who were furloughed are now back to work so it's not even really like we haven't created new jobs we've just reduced the bleeding a bit
2: yeah <sighs> nearly 5 million jobs um it was four point nine, so that's why. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really not good, and right now things are just barely holding together as it is. Um, but there's obviously other reasons to worry. Um, there's an REIT uh Maserich that owns like they own a significant chunk of like malls and retail outlets and such. They they're the ones that lease to all of these companies, um, in the malls, in the strip malls, all of that stuff. And um we we kind of uh, I'm afraid I'm afraid listeners, uh, that we kind of missed a trick because um, as it turns out, in April, um, they had twenty six percent collection rates for uh, across all of their properties. And this is not like, this is not a company with, like, comfortable margins. In quarter one, they generated $226 million in revenue, with $211 million of that coming from lease payments, and they posted a net income of $8.7 So we're not talking about a large margin
0: here. Oh, Alright, yeah. this is... This is basically, we're just making money off of owning these properties and owning the management of the properties and leasing it, and... Yeah. Now, because you know, nobody's shopping at malls for very obvious reasons.
2: Yeah, they're they were hoping that they could reopen sometime in mid June, like have all of their direct holdings open uh, by mid June, with you know social distancing and hand sanitizer and all that fun stuff. Um. Who knows if that's gonna fucking work? PUDS.
1: <laughs> I <Yep>. mean, <laughs> <laughs> and aren't these the companies that are leveraged up to their eyeballs and debts?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is just, like, yeah, I, I and guess just this one me- company.
2: There's, there's a whole, uh, there's dozens of REIT firms, just like this that. Are dealing with
0: much the same issues. They're just yeah. <laughs> this is like this is the canary in the coal mine. I at this point, and this also like pretty much confirms like where the Bidenbergs are going to be. So they're going to be in mm-hmm. these abandoned malls. Yeah. Like this is going to be like you want fucking...
1: if you want an exciting opportunity to have your own post-apocalyptic fort in these days. Well, can I promise you an exciting opportunity to be in a Day of the Dead movie? <laughs> it is time to have your own very own mall.
0: As far as we know, Covid doesn't make zombies, so it will be minus zombies for now.
1: I mean the you could count the pigs as zombies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're fucked.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, they're
0: fucked. They're fucked. That this is going to be fucking insane. Like
1: <laughs> we're going to have like, the entire sub like suburban fabric that holds everything together within the suburbs just fall apart because like malls are a big part of the of the economies of these areas.
0: Oh yeah. I mean why else would you go out there yeah like the mall boom of the 90s was like was basically like one of the things that was seen as critical for that like period of comparative prosperity that you had like all these like local like governments offering massive tax incentives and shit to malls to get them to build in the 80s and 90s and then they became like a regular source of commercial like property taxes and stuff Uh and like sales taxes and shit so like this isn't like just going to be like you get your fucking day of the dead thing it's this is going to wipe out the finances for a lot of suburban towns
2: yeah if you thought
1: small towns are going to be hit hard no it's not just only small towns we're going to be seeing like the suburbs just ripped apart yeah the
0: this but this white horseman rides everywhere
2: (laughs) oh yeah yeah The red horseman also marches
0: oh yeah Uh, and proves what we at chop shop would humbly like to add to the social sciences in the form of what we would like to describe as great moron theory which we'll get into in a minute
2: so the escalating trade war they just, they just keep doing it. It's, it's also. Oh, I just. I don't have words
0: for it. It's that stupid. It's like watching a bunch of drunk frat boys gangbang a light socket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: pretty much. Oh, <laughs> uh,
1: dear sweet god it's like the trump administration only has two buttons give money to rich people and
0: escalate the trade war with china yep oh dear lord and they don't even know what to do with the china one because on one hand you've got like trump saying okay we're gonna like bar commercial flights from china now and didn't refuse to allow american operators to fly there which would be really goddamn dumb And do all kinds of mess to like air freight which is already in trouble as well as passenger flights which are really in trouble Mm -hmm. um he's also like then turning around and ineffectually being all like okay i'm not gonna like actually slap sanctions on the chinese leadership even though congress bipartisanly just went here you go here is the fucking suicide pill we will totally support you in taking it and we will take it too um Instead, he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. So it's it's kind of, like, giving this impression of, like, he's ineffectually slap fighting while Xi Jinping is, like, holding it off, him off with one hand and dunking his butterfly knife in, like, a vial full of, like, nightshade or something. Because meanwhile, like, China's doing shit, like dumping major agricultural orders of shit like soybeans and other stuff that's gonna absolutely wipe out the farm belt who are already in trouble from this shit to begin with and yeah (laughs) it's just stupid it's just so fucking stupid and he and the thing that's so stupid about it is he's doing exactly like the fucking stupid machiavelli thing of i'm gonna hit you hard enough that you can't ignore me but it's not enough to actually matter.
1: Yeah. Never cause small harm to your enemies. That That is the strategy within the book. And this is, unfortunately, well, the Trump administration is calling, causing a small harm to the PRC. And this is going to go very, very badly
0: for them. Oh, yeah. Because like, the PRC has way more capacity to hit back.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they can easily tank anything we throw at them. This is not our war to win.
2: Yeah. I mean, (sighs) honestly, I'm a little worried about what they're going to do with Taiwan. Somehow. Well, first thing I
0: like, digest Hong Kong. Mm. Though Trump's making that easy by being a dumbass.
1: Yeah. And of course, there are some very exciting things else happening within the u.s hemisphere of our power within germany doc do you want to go over this
0: so like just like trump like just announced that thousands of u.s troops are being pulled out of germany without any proper notification of the german government and there were actually like members of the ruling party coalition who were like um what the fuck this is not okay from like the conservative parties like the right wingers in germany who Sort of look like, you know, Hillary Clinton, if they were in the U.S. But, you know, um, like, Germany's political spectrum is way in a different place than the U.S. That's important to keep in mind. Um, But, like, yeah, so this is the kind of shit that's, like, it's honestly kind of giving me vibes of, like, Rome pulling the legions out of Britain and just abandoning the province. Like, not that Germany is, like, you know... Roman Britain that's about to be like eaten by Saxons and Irish pirates or something, but
1: <laughs> I mean this if if we're gonna continue to see withdrawal of troops from Germany, I mean this might push the EU in the direction of a federal army.
2: I mean they may be making noises about it off and on, but this would this would probably get them to do it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like they they've been making noises that, about it for a while, but they haven't done anything about it because they've had the assumption that they would be under the umbrella of U.S. Hegemony, hegemony, protecting them from like Russia in the east. But without that in guarantee, with the U.S. starting to pull out of like Germany, and if they can pull out of Germany, who knows where else they're gonna pull out of? this is gonna have policymakers in the EU up in a tizzy and in a panic
0: and they also are in a position where they don't have to give a fuck what the UK thinks anymore because the UK has consistently been an impediment to any like centralizing changes in the European Union including creating a European army um, so now they're out of the way and are dependent on a hegemon that is currently falling on its face which is going to leave like Boris Johnson's UK in a really weird spot. Um,
1: Do you want to mention what we talked about earlier about how, how about how they could take the Singapore solution?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that's basically probably what the Tories are going for is just like Singaporeing the whole island and basically turning it into an appendage of London finance and existing to move other people's money and hide it and has just enough industry to keep the proles from murdering a, like, nominally democratic but totally authoritarian ruling party that doesn't give a fuck about, you know, things like actual representative democracy and is helped by a rat-fucking press that will make shit up about opposition party leaders to discredit them. You know, something that totally hasn't happened in the UK recently totally not no it's not that, like that have, totally hasn't been happening it, it's not like
1: they have an entire institution known as the integrity uh, institute that is an arm of nato propaganda within the uk nope does not exist
0: it, it's not like there aren't multiple university studies including one from the london school of economics confirming that the way the Pri- largely privately owned british press handled jeremy corbyn was actively detrimental to british democracy um you know so yeah that's kind of what's happening and this kind of really gives us like some good examples of what like we here like to call the great moron theory of history which is a very different thing from the great man theory of history. Cause anyone who knows about that one, it's this whole thing of people like Alexander the great or Winston Churchill or whatever, like go out and grab the nation and lead it forward. And it's really kind of fascist when you think about it. Um, and all this other shit about like, you know, iron will and determination and ability and all that of like a great leader can transform a country. And it's like, well, that's really debatable because a lot of these like so-called great leaders were taking, were able to do what they did because of prevailing social trends But, as we're seeing happen now, and has happened in other examples in history, we would like to argue that a great moron in the right position could absolutely destroy an empire.
1: Yeah, in practice, the unique thing about the Trump administration has been that it, in practice, has been a right-wing accelerationist policy that has absolutely torn apart any sort of thing holding together american hegemony like in not just in the rest of the world but within the u.s itself
0: yeah it's and it's all shit that is nominally right-wing policy objectives and things that they believe based on their understanding of politics society economics and everything else especially economics um which they like bandy about like some kind of fucking sacred text um is this is how they justify everything and how they maintain their whole thing is with these policies he's enacting except actually doing them at full tilt is destroying American power very rapidly
1: and do we want to move on to the black horse my dear brother
0: oh yes so we're having some fun stuff happening in supply chains in the middle of all this as we're seeing like as like we've touched on in previous episodes there's absolutely a massive supply chain crisis that's been happening because of the whole just-in-time supply system that has made neoliberal globalization work and there are actually growing reports now uh, Um, what we're seeing that's happening now because all these disruptions have just absolutely devastated markets all over the place they have left retailers and businesses high and dry without equipment and material they need like these kind of supply chains are basically why the united states still doesn't have enough protective equipment is because all of that shit has to be shipped in from china who we're totally not in a trade war with um so businesses are walking away from that logic of just-in-time and they are spending money on buying warehouses and inventory space. Which is like a thing that hasn't really been a significant priority for business in decades.
2: Part of the reason that they, uh, they moved overseas in the first place is they don't want to pay workers. And... Uh, the article we found discussing these moves um, was talking about a Canadian um, furniture company that was trying to like switch their production from Vietnam to Canada because they couldn't get anything from, uh, from Vietnam during um, their lockdown. And you know that depleted their inventory., Now, he, uh, now the owner was like, well, we're probably going to solve it with automation now that we, we can. That way we still get to keep our you know benefits of you know not have, actually having to pay workers. <laughs> so I don't know that they'll be able to replicate this for every industry. But that's that's I think
0: where they're looking. Yeah. And, and there's also like the added like the cost of actually having inventory and warehouse space takes like it costs money, uh-huh. and you have to actually buy commercial real estate. So it was a great way, like during the 80s and 90s, to slim down on those costs. But now it's imposing different costs that were totally fucking obvious to anyone paying attention to supply chain development or anything else going on yeah a lot of the reason
2: a lot of the reason these um, processes don't have any slack is because well, um, the entire point of just-in-time and lean manufacturing was to eliminate that slack it's not seen as providing resilience during downturns, it's seen as an impediment to um, short-term efficiency, for lack of a better way to put it.
1: And when you have this big crisis that we're having with right now with Mm -hmm. uh, COVID-19 causing supply shocks, you know, it completely disrupts the logic of just-in-time.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's like... There's no redundancy even, whatsoever, yeah, like even the tiniest disruption um can absolutely blow out everything um you know downstream of that product. Um I keep using that fucking Samsung example, but it's still relevant, you know, a minutes of cease production meant they had to write off. 40 million dollars worth of DRAM and flash and now the markets for those were going to hell you know before all this before COVID
0: and it's like absolutely because nobody's shipping things particularly in this just-in-time logic air freight has been absolutely decimated like something like 42, like, air freight actual, like, volume and capacity has, since, like, the this whole crisis began, has dropped by 42%. Yeah. Like, and this is, like, just like when you're talking about airlines and how the airline industry is now in this position of they have all these planes and crews that are effectively grounded, and the longer the crews go without actual like flight time the less poli- like the basically the less polished their skills are and the less like fresh they are in terms of what they need to do to do their jobs and the more likely it is they're going to have to just consign these things to the boneyard so a substantial chunk of this is going to be permanently lost capacity for an extended period yeah because
2: the uh, the currency rules do apply to cargo like, the FAA doesn't actually care if you're shipping packs or cargo. It, it doesn't matter. You still have to keep your currency in order to maintain your typewriting. That's how this stuff works. And yeah. they're not letting them do that.
0: <sighs> yeah, it's... This is... And this is going to be, like, this means that the capacity that was needed to make the just-in-time world we were living in in 2019 possible is gone. Permanently gone. It is not, like, if it comes back, it's, like, it's important to remember that the just-in-time logistics of Amazon one-day shipping shit from China um, was the culmination of decades of active work towards reaching that kind of frictionless, streamlined easy global logistics like th- this is and it's all being lost in not even six months it's not going to come back for at least another like unless there's a deliberate effort to try to rebuild it and no one's going to want to do that now because it's too much fucking risk it's too it's obviously too fragile
1: mm-hmm. The le- the level of capital expenditure for something like that is way too risky and would be way too much money for way too little reward.
2: Yeah, and it's like with the instability with you know, the Chinese-U.S. relationship, it's like they're not a lot of companies are considering switching to Taiwan, which obviously imposes its own risks, but you know, at least they're not China, so they're not on Trump's ship and that that influences a lot of these um, business thought
0: leaders so yeah this is all gonna be like we're seeing all of this imploding and all of this coming undone because this whole system was unbelievably fragile to begin with
2: oh yeah and I mean this isn't like The interesting thing of course and this is where the pale horseman comes in this isn't on account of lacking fuel would you care to explain why oh i would love
1: to so we are seeing the collapse of the fossil fuel industry right before our eyes to quote the common dreams article the fossil fuel industry could face 25 a 25 trillion dollar collapse due to clean tech, climate policy, and COVID-19 pandemic. So, what we're looking at right now at this point in time, it's not with the with the peak, peak demand in oil. It's not something that just came out of the middle of nowhere. You know, back in like 2005, we had the peak of demand for fossil fuels in the OECD. In 2007, we had the peak of demand for fossil fuels for electricity in Europe. For, in 2011, for fossil f- turbines, we had the peak of demand. In 2013, we had the peak of demand for coal. In 2014, we had the peak of demand for EP cap- uh, capital expenditure. And in 2017, we had the peak of demand for internal combustion engine cars. Uh, In 2018, the peak of demand for fossil fuel for electricity and the cherry on top of this Sunday on 2019, we have a peak of demand for fossil fuels and oils. But what we're seeing, you know, what we're seeing is the decline in oil is reaching the entire system. Uh, This has been coming for years and years and years. And we've had the renewable demand that's increasing because of low operation co- low operating costs, and preferential access to many power systems. And this pandemic is causing significant declines in demand for coal, gas, and oil as well as nuclear power this year. And back in two thousand and eighteen, the World Bank estimated that that this would put future coal, gas, and oil profits at a thirty-nine. 39- trillion dollar decline.
0: And for I have to get the- like a sense of the scale of some of these like massive trillion dollar stacks that are being thrown around, like the US economy before all of this immediate okay, it's shrinking by half shit kicks in is estimated to be about twenty trillion dollars. So we're talking about a loss that's greater than what is officially the largest economy on the planet in one industry. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, this is the biggest market outside of the financial industry. So to see this collapsing, uh, ke- keep in mind that we have so much of one of the things that we're seeing with the decline of, for like the decline in demand, lower prices, and rising investment risks. Is this is slashing the value of oil, gas, and coal reserves by nearly two thirds, and this is increasing risk and making it incredibly much more likely that all of these assets that capital has poured its money, blood money, into for decades and decades and decades, will be stranded assets. And what these, what this means is essentially these are assets that are absolutely. Fuck shit, useless to the people in power. So we're likely to see lower rents, uh, lower profits, totally stranded assets, and with like with this great decline, we're likely to see a much lower capital expenditure. So there's a very great chart that I like that I liked in this um, that for a lot of these. For a lot of these oil companies, um, we're going to see the hedge funds start selling. The profit, the stock's price is going to start falling, which we're already seeing that fall. Uh, we're going to, like we talked about last week, we're going to start to see cut dividends, and after cut dividends, we'll see a cut in capital expenditure, and then afterwards, um, and then afterwards, this is when you cut when you cut fixed costs. And then when you sell assets and negotiate with the banks and this is when you go bust like this entire report is talking about the deep decline of the biggest material industry on the planet that so much of the finance industry has poured its money into for years and years and years.
0: Yeah. This has been the thing that like has been like the oil industry has been the bedrock of, uh the entire 20th century full stop from like the moment that Winston Churchill ordered the conversion of the boilers of the Royal Navy from coal to oil to like five minutes ago oil has been the thing that has like made the global economy move more than any other industry or any other commodity and they're easily, like, if you leave finance off the table, they are the largest industry on the planet by value. And they are the largest one that actually owns shit when you include finance. So this is, this is like, all the jobs that are connected with, like, the oil industry. All the stuff that go, is connected with, like, the refining processes or the towns that spring up around refineries and drilling sites and everything else. Like, all, this is all of these things are going to be eating shit just as hard as, like, like this is the industry, uh, this isn't just like the oil industry that's going to be going under, it's anything that is touching the oil industry is going to get sucked down the drain.
1: And so much of our economy is tied up with the oil industry, so this is a big catastrophe for our economy that we cannot avoid and the only way that we are going to be able to dig ourselves out of this hole is by actually investing in green energy and yeah. p- and part of the problem, well part of the problem for the oil industry which is good for us in a way is that the big reason why the oil industry is collapsing is because the price of Green energy has gotten cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, so it can easily beat out the oil industry and in its price in its prices.
0: Yeah, this is, and that's the thing that is guaranteeing that oil is going to stay dead. There's not going to be a recovery here because yeah, it this report recreate. doesn't
1: say just like oh, this is just you know. Up, this is just par for the quarter no this report says that this is a structural shift within the oil industry itself
0: yeah they're done they're not coming back from this and we can actually also see like, like the shit with like the fucking zombie malls that it's not just the oil industry that's going to die it's also going to be like the like suburbia and the whole concept of small businesses in the United States as we know it
2: oh oh doc do
1: you want to mention what wells fargo is not guaranteeing any longer
0: oh yeah wells fargo is officially bailing out of extending loans to independent auto dealerships who are already seeing like you know the british auto industry for example has seen a 90% decline in sales since this started the american auto industry is not doing much better so yeah if you wipe out the distribution end what's going to happen to the producers
1: so when, earlier when we said that this is the, that this is going to tear apart the very fabric of suburban communities we're not lying when we said this with without oil without cars either the very the very infrastructure that was built up starting with Eisenhower back in the 20th century that has sustained the car economy in the U.S. for decades and decades and decades is going to go poof.
0: Yeah, this is this is all going to be done. It's all going to get wiped out and it's not just the car industries it's also like a lot of small businesses are absolutely fucked like we've there's been reports pretty consistently since the first bailout was signed of how like these massive chains have been sucking up a lot of the small business administration's lending which is like a fucking like only 500 billion dollars compared to like you know the 9 trillion some odd dollars that wall street has like shot into space with their, like, Wall Street space cannon that I want. Because it was my fucking idea. You (laughs) bastards.
1: Sorry, you got tesled.
0: Damn it. Should have copyrighted that thing. Yeah. These guys are done. This money's not getting sucked up. These and these are a lot a lot of these small businesses are in like hospitality or small scale retail this isn't like some of them are involved in productive enterprises but a lot of them are in these sectors that are reporting things like 50% unemployment rates and absolute just total fucking salt the earth nuke the divide type shit <sighs> and hell follows so remember the great moron theory of history mm-hmm. yeah that that would be donald trump and american law enforcement for the first time in american history we actually are seeing the general public support and trust in the police drop below 50 percent on the aggregate first time in ever since that's being recorded Damn. like in the past like 2 weeks the police have destroyed so much goodwill that like like nothing better says this than like there was like this one poll that was done by morning consult which Found that 54% of all the people surveyed approved of burning the third precinct in Minneapolis, which officially makes burning down a police precinct more popular than Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Burn police precinct
2: 2020.
0: They're not a sexual predator.
2: This fire
1: that you can believe in. No, indeed. <laughs> it's a
0: really clear platform.
1: Burn down every fucking pig pen in the in the entire nation. There's
0: like there's too much police brutality? Burn down a police precinct. The homeless aren't being housed. Burn down a police precinct. Wall Street got bailed out. Burn down a police precinct. It's really easy. <laughs> and and on top of that the minneapolis like a group of minneapolis city council members have announced to the minneapolis press and we're like including this link in the district in the description that they have a veto-proof majority to abolish the minneapolis pd Not, like, defund or reform, but straight up, we're just going to scrap this mess and start over. Damn.
2: Have they said what they're going to be replacing it with?
0: It's, like, a combination of, like, community outreach and actually funding social workers and, you know, things that don't involve shooting people. Mm Mm-hmm actually helping people
1: out what a concept
0: yeah not throwing people in prison for like a small amount of drugs and being black like who would have thought
1: and it turns out all you needed to do this is to burn down a fucking police station yeah yeah
0: (laughs) chop uh chop shop economics legal just would like to let us let everyone know that this is not officially an endorsement of the very cool crime of arson
1: We only support burning down cop stations in Minecraft. Yeah. On the ballot.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Parody redacted (laughs) in a video
0: game. (sighs) So, yeah. And... Yeah, and we're see, and this is happening. Like, there's other like port. Supposedly, the Portland City Council is considering the same thing, of just getting rid of the Portland Police Bureau outright. Um, the LAPD is getting cut by like 150 million dollars. Which, granted, they have like a three billion dollar budget. Um.
2: I mean, there are countries with a, a smaller military budget than either the LAPD or the NYPD. I think, like, North Korea's budget is actually less than the LAPD's.
0: But speaking of, apparently the commissioner, as of breaking news on June 7th, has either resigned or been fired. Oh, this
2: is... We love to see it, folks. (laughs) i love to see chef's kiss
0: perfection yep. it's just destroying the empire at home like, nobody's business
2: and of course there's one other thing that it's not dead yet but um, we're going to be keeping an eye on it going forward the dollar the US oh. dollar we oh, should talk about yeah. that oh so, nah.
1: goldman sachs just shorted the dollar yeah
0: yeah and you know this is the same goldman that warren buffett just ghosted on Mm-hmm. so this is probably a move that's a combination of desperation and craven opportunism but like the business press spin is just fucking amazing
2: yeah I mean, they seem to have taken the angle that like this is this is a technical trade, and it all it all just like comes down to timing and it's not indicative of any larger weakness, but shorting the dollar it used to be a sucker's bet normally you'd be left out of the room for even considering it
0: yeah that this would be like shorting the housing market in two thousand six.
2: You joke, but people
0: did that <laughs> and made absurd amounts of money off of it. I could use some of that money <laughs> seriously, oh
2: dear God,
0: please <sighs> yeah, so it's a yeah. So we're seeing, like, Goldman is shorting the dollar, we're seeing shit where, like, the U.S. government's expenditures are soon about to be, like, the thing propping up the economy, and that money is largely being used to, be like, fucking pour into the Wall Street money furnace. Yeah. Like, someone, like... The moment that the dollar is going to collapse is going to be when you finally see, like, a group of analysts from, like, the IMF come out of some, like, fucking bunker, and they're going to be looking, like, absolutely disheveled and wild-eyed, and, like, one of them is just going to be, like, staring off into space over, like, the camera person's head when they say well it appears that like the dollar is no longer a solid foundation for global finance and then when like the reporters are like well can we see your analysis and they let them in they walk in they find a room that's just like covered in eldritch sigils scrawled in their blood and they find like bits of fingernail and shit all over the place because a parent and, and then when they ask and then they start to wonder why none of the analysts were shaking people's hands and were keeping them clapped behind their backs um <laughs>
2: yeah they're fucked we're fucked (laughs) Uh, that's like capitalism is fucked yeah the doctor
1: and I were talking earlier about this and you brought up the point that money is just straight up not going to be a thing anymore
0: yeah like this is like I mean, to give a... Like, we talked about that 36% of the economy thing earlier. Like, just to underscore things a bit here, the last time 36% of the economy was made up of U.S. government spending was 1942. (laughs) Technically, it was 38%ing, but, like, you know, that was a situation where the U.S. was, like, the net creditor for, like, all the major like not Nazi belligerent powers in the second world war and had basically said, yeah, we're just sort of suspending normal capitalism to create a giant fuck you war economy. But instead we're like doing the same level of economic mobilization for like lighting wall streets, farts on fire or something. And sooner or later, someone's going to call bullshit on this. And the only solution that would be available at that point for the near term near term meaning probably something like 10 years at least for the US economy to get to like something vaguely functional it doesn't matter who's in charge you're going to need some kind of war economy if you don't want things to be looking all Johnny Mnemonic like you know Shadowrun without the magic like if you don't want that then there's going to have to be some kind of war economy, whether it's some awful fascist economy that's shoveling people into private prisons or like, uh, actually, like gives a fuck about people, could call it socialist or whatever economy that's mostly going, right, so we're not gonna, like, bail these assholes out anymore and since money's not a thing, we're just going to allocate resources to people
1: what a concept actually helping people out
0: because yeah if the dollar goes poof then fuck the whole logic of how government finance and for capital and markets and everything depends on the assumption that the u.s dollar is a thing and that currency is a thing so if it suddenly goes kaboom then you either have to like do some really stupid ass like makes Zimbabwe look restrained levels of hyperinflation. Or you have to just be like, fine, money's not a thing. We're not allocating things based on money anymore.
1: And if they don't decide to go for a command commodity out, sort of, out of some sort of fetish to the free market ferry, then we're in for a free-fall collapse. We're looking at mass starvation. We are looking at the literal doomsday economic scenario. If they decide to fuck you over, you should, you know, boot up your Minecraft game, and you should start a
2: revolution. I mean, we've shown that the police can bleed in Minecraft.
0: And we're now watching as this whole, like... Even the New York Times can read the writing on the wall. Even they're starting to stop. They've skipped the D word, depression, and they've gone straight to the C word of collapse. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, the gray lady can see it. It must be true. (gasps) Uh. yeah so it's just and you know if we don't get command economy and then we're gonna get awful shit like you know geo group extermination camps or something
1: which speaking of which we actually have geo group extermination camps that are literally gassing prisoners right as we speak every 15 to 20
2: minutes Using HEB neutral. Yeah, we should have talked about that more, but I guess we can talk about it now. They're spraying people like every 15 minutes with a disinfecting chemical that isn't normally all that dangerous, but it's designed for cleaning facilities while nobody's in them.
1: And imp- and inmates are reporting severe symptoms such as bloody noses, rashes, respiratory failure, and nausea. And keep in mind that in higher doses, breathing this stuff in can cause failures within the eye.
0: Yeah. I mean, this... <sighs> it's... Yeah.
2: There are... <sighs> There's practically no chemicals that can disinfect that aren't, like, toxic in high doses.
0: And remember, Zyklon B was a disinfectant. Just putting it out there.
2: Yeah. There are so many chemicals that can disinfect. None of them are particularly good for you. Yeah. Some of them are just tolerable and that's why we use- yeah
1: this this is not just some sanit this is not just sanitation this is literal genocide and if we can burn down a police station in minecraft then just think about what we can do to concentration camps nowadays that are literally gassing immigration prisoners
0: and, and the yeah. thing that's sick about this is the people doing this aren't are a global corporation They run private prisons that, like... There was, like, a 2015 Amnesty International report on these guys that purely because, like... They basically managed to achieve Nazi levels of awful by 2015 through the pure pursuit of profit and exploiting prison labor. Like, they didn't need, like, Nazi ideology or anything like that to do that. They just were like, no, we just want to make fucking money. So... You know that's like option three over there is we can always have privatized hell
2: (sighs) yeah so i guess that's the show everyone
0: yep (sighs) Mm, good luck out there
1: good luck everybody get involved with direct with mutual aid networks and you know support your local protests
2: give them hell for us and give them hell for yourself
0: if you're in a union that's in the AFL-CIO contact your representatives and demand that they kick the police unions out fuck yeah and if you're not then you know general strike is always awesome and if you are (laughs) (sighs) alright well This is Chop Shop Economics, reading this shit so you don't have to.
2: Bye, everyone.